<laughs> Praise you. Praise the old damn church. And, and, and best of luck hunting. Best luck of all. <laughs> Hi, uh, I'm back again after a long delay minus sin. Because uh, basically, in order to get these out on time, it's just quicker if I do them myself. Because we don't have to worry about uh, organizing recording times and stuff. So I am not going to have Sin with me. And I know I, I miss her too. But uh, hopefully I can carry this off by myself. Like I used to. She's with us in spirit though. So last episode I talked about how Central Yarnum was an area that kind of articulated Yarnum's relationship with the outside world. But lurking in the background of that also was Yarnum's relationship with the Healing Church. And now that we're actually in Cathedral Ward, that's what the theme of the area is. This is about how the Healing Church relates to Yarnum and how Yarnum relates to the Healing Church. We also see how the way in which they relate to each other has transformed both of them. The Healing Church has turned Yarnum into something that benefits it, but at the same time, the proximity that the Healing Church now has to Yarnum has warped and changed the Church itself. The Ward is also interesting because it's an area that we visit in the Waking World, and then, like the old workshop, we can visit it again in the Dreamlands and see how it's remembered. We can look back into people's experiences and we can see what the Ward was like for them long, long before our characters showed up. The Ward is, at this point, essentially under siege from the rest of Yarnum, and this affects the way in which we actually get there. As Gilbert explains to us, There's a rather, how shall I put it, colourful area south of the Great Bridge. From there, an aqueduct leads to the Cathedral Ward. <coughs> Not a place you'd normally want to visit, but I don't imagine you have much of a choice, do you? We're able to use Erden Chapel as a back entrance because Erden Chapel is something that the Healing Church aren't really paying attention to. It's an old and forgotten part of the ward. And the way that the Erden area is old and is forgotten is going to be really important when we get around to discussing it, especially with reference to the Grand Cathedral. Aside from the Erden Chapel path, the ward actually connects to most of Yarnum and also a lot of areas that surround Yarnum. Central Yarnum was designed in a way that told us a lot about Yarnum's relationship with the outside world, and Cathedral Ward is designed in a way that tells us about the church's relationship with the rest of Yarnum. Aside from the Erden Chapel path, the ward actually connects to most of Yarnum and also a lot of areas that surround Yarnum. So if we look at the connections that Cathedral Ward has to the rest of Yarnum, they basically fall into two categories. We've got instances of the church trying to keep Yarnum out, and we've got instances of Yarnum gradually reclaiming ground, taking back parts of the city and forcing the church more and more into a corner. It appears that the church have successfully prevented any Yarnumites outside of Cathedral Ward from entering by barring the door connecting to the Great Bridge. The issue the church then faced, though, is that there are still Yarnumites within Cathedral Ward. It's part of the town. And if we look at the ways out of Cathedral Ward there, the Yarnumites are trying to stop the church from getting out. 
The pathway to Old Yarnum is guarded by the Yarnumites, and they have been successful because if we look at the corpses, it is all dead healing church people. The small lower area of Cathedral Ward that connects back to German's workshop is also being patrolled by Yarnumites, even though there is only one beast there and it's locked away. They seem to be guarding the area from the healing church, and the presence of the brain sucker kind of suggests that as well, because the average Yarnamite, the average person, is not going to turn into a brain sucker. You need to have all that eldritch wisdom in your head for that to work out. This is also the area where we find the Yarnam civilian clothing, and it's on a Yarnamite corpse, and there really aren't very many Yarnamite corpses in Cathedral Ward, it's mostly church corpses. There's a little more significance to this corpse, though, if we look at it in light of the corpses we find in Forbidden Woods. The area by the cave that connects Forbidden Woods back to central Yarnum has a number of corpses that appear to be Yarnumites but are carrying healing church items. One even has blue elixir on it, which is an item that you specifically use to mask your presence. Since everyone wants the healing church dead, and the church are trying to operate incognito at this point, the implication seems to be that these corpses are actually members of the healing church, who are going out in disguise. So, going back to this corpse in the ward, it's also possible that the reason we get Yarnamite clothing from this corpse is that it's someone from the church who put that clothing on to disguise themselves while they snuck around. The entrance to Yahagul is also being guarded by Yarnamite snipers, but they're facing Yahagul itself, not the ward. The Yahagul hunters in the plaza are trying to stop you from getting to Yahagul, while the snipers are trying to stop whatever is already happening in Yahagul. Awareness among the Yarnamites that something terrible is happening in Yahagul also explains why there's so many more chained coffins in this area than there were in central Yarnum. The church have been robbing graves for a while, and only recently upgraded to kidnapping living people. The paths leading out of Cathedral Ward into the outside world are also designed by outsiders to prevent anything from leaving Yarnum. The path to Hemwick is defended by snipers and hunting dogs, and the path to Forbidden Woods is not only locked off by the gatekeeper, but is also heavily patrolled and covered in traps. But the church aren't just confined to Cathedral Ward, they're confined to the inner part of Cathedral Ward. The only human members of the church surviving are located past the plaza gate. Every healing church member in the outer part of the ward seems to have been killed by the Yarnamites. In the foggy alleyway where we meet Ariana and the narrow-minded man, we even see the traps that were laid by the Yarnamites for the healing church. We see ambushes, we see people playing dead, and we hear Yarnamites trying to mislead the healing church, saying that they are worshipping and praising them while there are dead healing church bodies lying on their doorsteps. <laughs> Praise you! Praise the old damn church! And, and, and best of luck hunting! Best luck of all! <laughs> we talked about this in the previous episode, but it's important to reiterate that the Healing Church are outsiders. When the Yarnamites rant about outsiders bringing the plague of the beasts and outsiders ruining the blood, 
they're not talking specifically about you. They're not specifically talking about travelers. They're talking about all outsiders, which includes the church. So, this is not wholly a lie that the healing church spread to deflect blame from themselves. Outsiders technically did do this to Yarnum. What the Yarnumites are doing, though, is that they're denying their own complicity. The church did not take over Yarnum in a hostile way. They were allowed in, and they were allowed to grow and become this powerful because of what they offered Yarnum. And this brings us to the way that we are able to see the ward develop. We're able to see it at different points in time. The first point of comparison that we're given in-game is the stairs outside of Erden Chapel. Both versions of the stairs are patrolled and guarded, the difference being that in the present it's by a church servant, who is obviously Thumerian, and in the past it's by an old hunter, who is human. This continues on through the ward itself. We see the same areas, the plaza and the stairs, defended by Thumerian church servants and Thumerian church giants in the present, but in the past it's humans. In the recent past, it was the old hunters of Yarnum who protected the church from the beasts, but in the present, it's the church who need non-human guards to protect them from the Yarnumites. We see what's likely the beginning of this shift with the Nightmare Executioner, who is guarding the Grand Cathedral from other Yarnumites. It's not immediately clear what these things are supposed to be, but... We know from the church canon description and from the uniform that they're wearing that they are working for the church, and the church did arm them. The face is surrounded by a swirling cosmic vortex, but using a model viewer we can remove the vortex and also the helmet and hood to see what they look like underneath. It isn't really clear what their head is actually supposed to be, especially since it's not something we're supposed to see in-game, but it does look a lot like the heads of the patients in the research hall. Patients who we know were capable of extruding tentacles from their heads, and who had deteriorating brains. If these creatures are some kind of failed research hall experiment, that would explain why we don't see them anymore. Notably, their Japanese name isn't Nightmare Executioner, it's something that translates roughly to those who were given a bell. And they do have a bell, which is something we will pick up on later. Given the prevalence of church servants and church giants in the present day, it's really notable that in the Nightmare we see absolutely no church giants at all, and only two Thumerian church servants, neither of whom are patrolling the ward. Under Yosefka's clinic, we see the church literally digging up giants and sticking bells on them, so it's safe to assume that that is the source of their Thumerian servants. They are not making these, they are just digging them up. These bells seem to be what give the healing church a degree of control over their Thumerian servants, since all the ones we see working for the church have bells, and the ones we meet in the chalices don't. It's also worth pointing out that Apart from the nobility and what seems to be a kind of priesthood, Thumerians don't really demonstrate much conscious thought, they just patrol and dig. So this use of bells to control creatures that are intelligent but also seem to lack any conscious will looks like it started with the Nightmare Executioners. We also get a sense of how the physical structure of the ward has changed over time. 
In episode 2, we talked about the way the game uses the Great Tree by German's Workshop to communicate this absolutely massive timescale. And the other place that we see some very, very large trees is Cathedral Ward. There are two absolutely massive trees growing up, and the tops of them touch the bridge leading from the lower ward to the upper ward. This is a very, very old building. This is not something that the Healing Church had built for them. It's something that they moved into. And remember, when the Healing Church starts, it's a very small group of foreign academics. And they're moving into a notoriously xenophobic city that is primed to defend itself from monsters. They are defending the building from Yarnum now, but it's not somewhere they had to initially capture by force. They were given it. The church misled the Yarnumites as to their intentions, but the Yarnumites wanted that blood, so they let them take over the city. The altar inside the Grand Cathedral is interesting here because it's something we also see at several different points in time. And each time we see it, the imagery tells us something about the state of the church. In the present-day cathedral, Lawrence's skull rests on an altar that is clearly very, very old. The partially ruined female figure, what appears to be a sacred tree, the statues around it and the messenger detailing all tell us that this is part of Yarnum's heritage, not something that was influenced by outsiders. But in the Nightmare Research Hall, which appears to be depicting the church's golden age, or at least the end of its golden age, the altar is dominated by three figures representing the healing church. The two figures in church shawls don't have faces, and are likely supposed to just symbolically stand for the white and black church doctors. The central figure, however has a distinct and defined face, as though it's supposed to represent a specific person. The clothing doesn't match anyone we see in-game exactly, but there's a clear Bergenworth influence. The position of the figure also indicates that it's more important than the other two, and every other time we see that altar, the thing in the middle is explicitly Lawrence. So, this figure is almost certainly supposed to be a statue of Lawrence. We also know that this is the altar that was on display when the Healing Church were on good terms with Yarnum, because the only way to make it disappear is to use an eye pendant. What's underneath it is the old altar, the one that we see in the present. So literally, the old altar of this church has been pushed underground by a giant statue of Lawrence. So even though Yarnum want that blood, because that blood to them represents their history, represents why they're important, represents their identity. But they are also willing to hand over parts of that identity to a foreign power, if it means getting more blood. Yanam is aware of its significance, is aware of its age, is aware that it is a unique place, but the people of Yanam locate that entirely within this notion of the physical purity of their blood. And because of that, they are willing to compromise that history and compromise that identity in order to make sure the blood stays pure. And in Bloodborne's universe, caring about blood above everything else actually just makes you a beast. The statue where Alfred is praying is another example of this. That is a statue of a church executioner. 
Yes, the timeline of the Executioners is a gigantic mess, but that is a church uniform and the Executioners are part of the church. It's also located outside a church near a graveyard. So again, we have the imagery of somewhere that used to be sacred to Yarnum and is now an altar to Lawrence's Healing Church, an organization that is using them and holds them in contempt. It's also important that this is the altar where Alfred's quest begins and ends, because Alfred is someone whose entire understanding of Yarnum and entire view of the world has been warped by the church. So what we have in Cathedral Ward is a situation where the Healing Church have transformed Yarnum. They have transformed what is in it, they have transformed how it is laid out, they have transformed its relationship with the outside world, they have transformed how you get around it. And they have also transformed the people of Yarnum physically into monsters. But at the same time, Yarnum has transformed the church. The church were not able to control what they found in Yarnum, and they have reverted to Yarnum's ways. The humans that guarded the cathedral have been replaced by the monsters from the labyrinth, and the scientific research that took place there has been abandoned in favour of a necromantic ritual. Our insight later reveals to us that the church servants' lanterns, something that suggests sophistication and safety and bringing light into the darkness, is in fact made from removed human eyeballs, and the positioning of Lawrence's skull on the altar resembles those found in the ancient labyrinth. We also see the Bergenworth adage degrade over time. In Lawrence's memory, it's clearly stated, Our eyes are yet to open. Fear the old blood. By the time of the research hall, this has changed. Beware the frailty of men. Their wills are weak, minds young. We should no longer fear the old blood because our eyes are yet to open, but merely be wary of the frailty of men. By the present, this has completely inverted. Our thirst for blood satiates us, soothes our fears. Let us partake in communion. Seek the old blood. It's also in the present that we find Lawrence's transformed skull resting on the altar that his statue used to be covering up. So Yarnum and the Healing Church both changed and destroyed each other. The other place of note in the ward is Erden Chapel. As I mentioned at the beginning, we're able to enter Cathedral Ward through Erden Chapel because it's somewhere that the Healing Church seem to be largely ignoring. Even though the Chapel Dweller is the only permanent occupant, it's somewhere that people are aware of. Characters will casually mention Erden Chapel in conversation. Don't go near the tomb below Erden Chapel in the Cathedral Ward. I have business there first. Heed the message of your forebears. Ascend to Erden Chapel. Yarnum's done for, I tell ya. But if you spot anyone with their wits about them, tell them about this here Erden Chapel. They'll be safe here. Both Viola and Henrik also know to go looking for Gascoigne there, 
and somebody who knows about ROM is using it as a private study. It's never made clear whose study this is, but the notion that ROM obscuring the Mensa's ritual is a terrible shame, and that she is hiding a lost master, implies it's somebody from the school of Mensis. The only Mensis-affiliated character we have any real interaction with is Mikolash, and for obvious reasons, it can't be him. So the impression is that Erden Chapel is somewhere that people are familiar with, but that no one thinks is that important. Which is interesting because Erden is a great one, and he seems to actually be there. Like a lot of areas in the game, Erden Chapel and the Grand Cathedral are kind of thematically and aesthetically paired. We can compare what we do and see in one location with what we do and see in the other, and the differences tell us a lot about Yarnum. In the case of Erden Chapel and the Grand Cathedral, both of them are churches that offer sanctuary. Back in the glory days of the Healing Church, the Grand Cathedral was a recovery room where the sick were sent to be healed. It was presented as an offer of help, but it was really a trap that the church were leading Yarnum into because they wanted bodies to experiment on. Compare this with Erden Chapel, where the beggar offers sanctuary and means it. Unlike the church, he actually does have people's best interests at heart, but also unlike the church, he is rejected by the Yarnumites. I'll spare you one nugget of advice. Beware the blind man. There the beggar sits at the bottom of the bloody food chain, and then his ear acting like he owns the place. He's not to be trusted. What's he want with all those people anyway? That little weasel has a murky past, I'm telling you. I only wanted to help. Just once in my life. They told me it would never work. My mum always told me. Everybody kept telling me. I should have known. I should have... <laughs> Gods, please. I'm sorry. So sorry. <laughs> he has no self-esteem, openly talks about being hated by people, and the attitudes expressed by the narrow-minded man confirm that this is likely how everyone treated him. Compared to, say, a mad scientist who has a giant statue of himself placed on a church altar. This is also really interesting with regard to Yarnum's historical development, because even though Yarnum is obsessed with its own history, they have no interest whatsoever in this man who is actually keeping an old Thumerian tradition going. In the same way that the Yarnumites seem completely unaware that the word Yarnum is from the old Thumerian language and was the name of one of their queens, they also don't seem to be aware just how significant Erden actually is. It's likely that they do understand that the chapel is a shrine to something called Erden. If we look at the top floor, there's a treasure chest with the Erden rune in it. They could have put this on a corpse like most of the other runes, but they choose to put it in a treasure chest which suggests a kind of formality. Something that's important to stress about the churches in not just Bloodborne, but also in the Dark Souls games, is that even though they aesthetically may seem Christian, the way they operate is closer to Japanese Shinto shrines. 
in that rather than having a huge organized hierarchy like the Roman Catholic Church, you have a series of shrines that are basically independent and worship local spirits and deities. This is why the head of the healing church is called a vicar. He's not a pope or a bishop, he's a vicar, as in he is the head of a local parish. Because that's all the healing church is, it doesn't exist outside of Yarnum. So with that in mind, the position of the Erden rune in a chest inside Erden Chapel is consistent with the way that objects sacred to spirits and deities will be kept inside of Shinto shrines. So it's very likely that the people of Yarnum are aware that there is a thing called Erden that is worshipped in this chapel, but they just don't see it as important. They don't care because it's in this old, run-down part of Cathedral Ward. There's a big fancy cathedral literally round the corner, so why would you bother with Erden Chapel? But not only is Erden a great one, Erden is actually taking a role in the story. Erden is active. Erden is doing things. Key to understanding how Erden works is that Erden is formless and only exists as a voice. This is almost certainly the origin of the name Erden, which is an anagram of Odeon, an Odeon being a building that is designed to conduct voices. Because Erden lacks physical form, he affects the material world by using blood as what the game calls a medium. Erden is able to conceive a child by manipulating Ariana's blood, and the two Erden runes alter the consistency of our blood by changing the amount of quicksilver in it. Erden is not secretly the doll, or the wet nurse, or the moon presence, or anything else. Erden does not have a form. Erden is a presence that is localized within Erden Chapel. In a sense, he is haunting it. He's not quite a ghost, but like a ghost, he is something from the past that is refusing to be forgotten. The Arnhemites have let the church trample all over their old traditions, but Erden is still there, and Erden is literally getting inside their heads and inside their blood. We find Erden runes in people associated with Erden Chapel. The chapel dweller, of course, lives there. Gascoigne's daughter knows the area because her father and mother were there. Adela was kidnapped on the streets of Cathedral Ward, which means she probably went to and from Erden Chapel quite a bit. The only one without an explicit connection is Impostia Sefka, but again, as a member of the Healing Church, she probably went to and from the area around the chapel all the time. Erden has two runes associated with him, and it's notable who gets what rune. The formless Erden rune is given to the chapel dweller and Gascoigne's daughter, while Adela and Impostia Sethka get the Erden Writhe rune. We know that Erden, like the other great ones, is trying to reproduce, and depending on how the story plays out, he can actually do it. So looking at who gets what rune, Formless Erden is given to the chapel dweller, who is presented as though he's a middle-aged man, and Gascoigne's daughter, who is a very young girl, while Impostia Sefka and Adela, who are women in their 20s or 30s, are given the Erden Writhe rune. In other words, it seems to be based on whether or not you're capable of carrying a child. So even without a red moon, without a third cord, without a research hall, without brain fluid, without any of this, Erden is there and Erden is trying to conceive. 
that is presumably why there is an amygdala there even before the red moon, because there is something about that place that is attracting it. There is some rift in the veil between worlds. And the person who ultimately produces the child, the thing that the healing church have been working toward for the last 20 years, is the person that they all want dead. And, like the chapel dweller, if we listen to how people talk about Ariana, and how Ariana talks about herself, you can see that she is held in contempt by the rest of Yarnum. I heard you told that wench about some shelter. <laughs> Why? Well, her sort's probably just fixing to feed some of your coin. <laughs> I'll spare you one nugget of advice. Beware the lady of the night. She is, people whisper. She knows what people think of her. Yes. Bloody wench, they should have moved her on ages ago. Well, if you do find a safe place, do be a dear and tell me. Around here, you're the only one I can turn to. This is no place for ladies. Wouldn't want to drag you down too. <laughs> All I can give is my blood. But would you even take a whore's blood? This is openly expressed as disdain for her line of work, but on top of this, Ariana is also an outsider. She is from Kanehurst. Specifically, she is from the royal bloodline of Kanehurst, which seems to date back to Queen Yarnum. The Yarnumites' fixation on keeping the blood of Yarnum pure has, over time, led to a situation where they are now openly rejecting someone who has, in a very literal sense, the blood of Yarnum. The Chapel Dweller and Ariana are essentially accomplishing everything the Healing Church wanted to do. They contacted the Great Ones, and a child was conceived. Which is exactly what the Healing Church set out to do, but this is happening in a way that is contrary to their methods. It happens because the old ways of Yarnum reassert themselves. You can't stop them. Again, the recurring theme in this story is the Healing Church attempting to scientifically control something, that they just can't, and the more they push, the more it pushes back. And it always ends with them realising that they aren't in control, and just accepting that these things are more powerful than they are. And the notion of controlled experiments completely blowing up in people's faces is where we're going next when we go to Old Yarnum. So I'll see you then.